Thanks for listening to The Rest is Politics. Sign up to The Rest is Politics Plus to enjoy ad-free listening, receive a weekly newsletter, join our members' chat room and gain early access to live show tickets. Just go to therestispolitics.com. That's therestispolitics.com. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Right, welcome to another episode of The Rest is Politics Leading. I'm on my own. Well, I'm not on my own, but I'm without Rory Stewart because this is what we call an opportunist capture. Because my guest today, I just heard, was in the hood. Uh, are you talking about me? Brian, you can't say who you are until I've said who you are. <laughs> I'm sorry. So uh, he was around, and I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll get him on for a quick chat. He's given the game away. Welcome, Brian Cox. Sorry, I'm sorry, Alison. That's fine, that's fine. Brian Cox, that is actor. Did he get on your nerves at this now, this other young whippersnapper, no, Brian Cox? No, I mean, I'm, he's a very nice lad. Very nice he? chap. He's very, very nice. And uh, we did a Guardian thing together where it's, we sort of exploded the myth of both of us because uh, everybody thinks I'm a physicist and I'm not. <laughs> no way near. Who do you think hates Brexit more, him or you? Because you both hate Brexit quite a lot. No, he must, as a university man, of course. I mean, the universities, I know as a former rector of Dundee University, that was the terrible thing about it, is all those relationships just went up in smoke. Now listen, I was sorry to hear about your, your sister. Uh-huh. You've just been back for her funeral. And of course, you're, you essentially were raised by your, by your sisters, weren't I you? I was, you know. I mean, she was always there. I mean, that was the thing about it. She was like, for me, home and safety, mm. you know, both. She was a wonderful person, funny, 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 and kind of secretive in a way, uh, actually. A lot of people couldn't get her sometimes, but she was, uh, I don't know, she was solid. Because <laughs> you, your dad died when you were... Eight. Yeah. And your mum was kind of in and out of institutions. Yeah, and- she had, she had, she tried to commit suicide. And here is a marvelous letter that she wrote. She was a good writer, a letter that she wrote about my dad when my dad passed. You know, and, but I think it was too much for her. She sort of predicted everything that was going to happen. And it happened as she predicted. And that kind of broke her in a way. She lost her husband and then he'd given too much away to friends. His was known as a received occupation because he was a grocer. So he made about 28 grand, which was a lot of money. But I don't know. He kind of helped these pals do go into building. We had years, years trying to get the rights of these buildings that we we're supposed to have owned or not. And it was all, uh, it was all a mess. So was he just sort of giving stuff away to people? He was giving stuff away. He was very generous. I mean, he would go off. He would, he would, um, you know, he had this shop, which was like in this ghetto community of Charles Street, you know, and he had the shop and people came in. He gave endless credit. He was, I mean, I, I was a, a, a reading of my book last year and this man is in his 80s stood up and said, I remember your father, what he did for me when I was a nine-year-old. And that was the kind of man he was. He was just, he would go off and decorate an old couple's apartment, you know, after he shopped shut at 10 o'clock at night. He was that kind of animal. And my mother 
just worried about it. And she was right to worry, actually. She she always used to say just to me, just remember, Brian, charity begins at home. And uh, I understood what she meant. And it was this balance. And, of course, when he died and he got his bank book and he left £10 in the bank, that was what it was. Well, I think that that broke her like a twig that snapped her. A doctor today, what would they define her illness as? Oh, I think she had a complete nervous breakdown. I mean, the, the strain of it. And also guilt. She felt guilty. I mean, there was... She was on at him quite a bit. I think in the end, she had massive guilt because, you know, he died within three weeks of his diagnosis. And mm. He was only 51, mm. you know. Mm. I mean, he looked a hell of a lot older, but that's all he was. And it was guilt as much as anything else, which really broke her. And uh, a lot of other stuff as well. And actually, interesting. I mean, and she had electric shock treatment, which was very primitive and not very nice mm. and how important is your scottishness to you very important it's become more important to me it, it wasn't when i was younger i mean i was so ambitious i wasn't even politically minded that's all happened to me in latter life that i've become so disgusted with the political state of affairs particularly in well the states and yes here yeah, very much so mm. so i didn't have any of that when i was younger because i was plowing my acting and career furrow you know and because i used to think you know at the time of the referendum i kept i kept thinking why why doesn't james mcavoy and david tennant get on board you know for the country and of course they didn't because they were like I was all those years Ooh. ago, you know, pursuing their careers, you know, and, 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 and it, it's very difficult being, in a way, I'm doing this film called Glen Rothen, which is about roots, and it's very difficult to know when you come from one country and you move to another country. I mean, Tony Hopkins suffered from this greatly. It's you, you become rationalized or, or anglified. I mean, I'm, I'm an anglophile. I love this country and I've had a great time here, but I've always been a stranger I'm, and I'm always a sort of non-commissioned officer. Mm. This is a thing that I felt very strongly and it's a thing I've loathed. And it's sort of, a, it's a sort of class thing. It's a feudal thing that they want to put you in your place. And it's the thing I hate. I hate about this country. About Britain or about England? About the whole thing, you know. Mm. I mean, I think we've got less feudal in Scotland. I think the interesting thing is in Scotland and why I'm proud of what's happened and particularly proud of the work that Nicola did, I mean, because she's an astonishing woman, absolutely astonishing, is that we move from a kind of tribalism to a really form of egalitarianism, that suddenly we were able to, you know, strike out for what we believe. And that was what I came to believe. And unfortunately, it was my disillusion with the Labour Party, because, you know, I was a big Labour man for many, many years. And I, I loved the Labour Party. I believed in it. And I still do. I mean, I really still do, fundamentally. But then it came a choice between Labour and my country. And I realised that my country needed something. We needed to do something about it, because it's, it's always been the poor relation. When I consider what we gave, you know, what we've given... In terms of, you know, invention, uh, Fleming and uh, penicillin and all the stuff that we've done, that the Scots have done. And, you know, we get a little bit of tokenism about it, but we don't realise what it's come from, from mm. our, our culture. I'll come back to Labour, but you talked about feudalism. And yet when Hamza Yusuf was sworn in as first minister, he still had to sort of bow down to King Charles. Oh, ah! <laughs> don't get me started. Well, I am getting you started. So, <laughs> no. And I remember... Talking to you before the Queen died, and you said, the Queen's an amazing woman, but once she goes, the whole thing goes. Yeah, I should. I think it's it not going to go, is no, it? No, of course it's not going to go. <laughs> of course it's not going to go, because they don't want to, they, they, they want that. It's so 
in the DNA of, of, of people that, that that's where they are. They are, you know, and you, you see it. I mean, the Northwest and the North of England has been so neglected and is so confused. And, you know, you, when you think of how they all went towards the Tories and now they must be kicking themselves like mad for what they did. Well, I hope you they know, come back for sure. Well, I think they will come back. But what it shows is the insecurity that's there, the deep insecurity, and that has to be dealt with. You see, what I'm, what I'm coming around to believe in now, Alistair, is that really the United Kingdom is just bollocks, total bollocks. And what we should have, I'm sorry, I do feel that, <laughs> you know, I, mean, I really do. But I'm all for an independent Scotland, and I really am. I believe that we need that freedom. But at the same time, I do worry about England and Wales. I worry about these islands. And, and if you look at it, we are all part of a one. You can't just ignore it. You can't pretend it doesn't exist. And th- th- there is a separation. There should be a separation. But it should be on a federal basis. I think what we need is a united federation. I think we need a, a separate Scotland, a separate island. We've got to get Ireland together in some way. And I think that's going to happen through just breeding apart from anything else. And a separate England. Well, actually, a separate Wales. And in England, this is a radical thought, should be divided in two. What? East and West or North and North South? North and South. What about, I had a very radical idea, Brian, okay. of creating a new country called Scotland, <laughs> where you have London and Scotland, both very, very anti-Brexit, both full of Scots. Yes. Right? Right. And maybe build a bridge or something. Well, to go I, to mean, that. I think, I, I think, I, I love the, uh, what shall I say, the artistic aspiration yeah, of you that. You could still live here and look you know, out over Primrose Hill. Well, people always say I can look on Hampstead Heath yeah, and I, know. I mean, fantastic. I love uh, London, of course. You see, this is why I've always thought London should be a city-state anyway. I mean, because London is where I came to. So hold on, that's perilously close to Singapore on Thames. Oh, well. We don't want that. That's the Brexit We don't want Singapore on Thames. Be set. But, it, but it's not like the rest of England, London. It's not. It's, I am, you're a wee bit younger than me. In fact, you're quite a bit younger than me. And, uh, when I came to London, it was amazing. The time of social mobility was incredible. I, I left school at 15. I had no educational qualifications whatsoever. I was given a grant. I came here and I studied my craft and it was the best years of my life. And everybody came and I was welcomed. People were pleased to see me and, and people of my ilk and people from my class. We were welcome. Now there's no pathway. There's none. It's gone. You well, know, unless we were, unless you went to the posh schools and they're all making well, it yeah, very, but that's very in a pathway. You know that doesn't help. You no, know, I that, know that's my point. It's yeah. very, the arts has become pretty yes, elitist. exactly, and I think that's not a good thing. Mm. I mean, I can't. I'm not going to knock the Cumberbatches and the Eddie Redmaynes and the Dominic West. I understand that that's a background, and of course, those institutions that were built are amazing. And, and ironically, they're all ex-actors who teach there, so I can understand that. But the pathway for the working class, for the poorer classes, is just. Non-existent. You were desperate to be an actor, even as a child, weren't you? Mm -hmm. Where did that come from, do you think? Well, it came from the sensation I got when I was about three, actually. And my dad used to... Well, you're part Scott. You know about... Well, you're you're mainly Scott, aren't you? Well, my blood is, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So you understand about Hogmanay and New Year and how precious that was and the ritual of it and the first footing and the guy comes in with the coal or the whiskey and greets the house, you know. So that we used to do that every every New Year, every Hogmanay. Our wee flat used to be full of people. In fact, it was so full that me and my brother, who slept in the kitchen alcove, we had to move out. Some I don't know where my brother went, but I went to my 
mum and dad's wee bedroom. And my sisters, they were, three of them shared a bedroom. Anyway, so I would go there and they'd wake me up at one o'clock in the morning and I would come out. And my sister, she would sing and everybody would be very happy. And then I would come and they would get me to do my turn. And I used to do Al Jolson impersonations. <laughs> age three. Age three. And I would do that and I would get up there on my, and I didn't even know it was my first stage, but it was my, it was the coal bunker, which was in the window recess of our apartment. And I would sing. And I just remember the effect on the room. I thought, how is it that people can come to such harmony? I mean, I didn't know what it was, but there was a sort of, you know, kind of hustle, bustle, noisy and all going on. And suddenly the singing provided this focus and this, you know, it's like when you go to the theatre, I suppose, you know, if you believed in churches, that, that happens the same way. But it's when human beings come together in a kind of where they're just relaxed and they're open. They're open to something else. They're open to another experience and they, they go into another zone. Mm. And I just thought, God, that's, that's precious. And then because I was a show off, you know, it was, it was just a natural step. And because, you know, my hometown, we had 21 movies. So I had the great inspiration of going to every picture house there was. We had 21 and, cinemas in yeah, Dundee. Yeah. How many have you got now? I mean, three, I think, something like that, three or four. And you had theatres? Uh, we had the rep, yeah, and we had the palace, the City of Varieties. My dad used to take me to the palace to see a comic called Johnny Victory. You sort of went and bashed in the door and said, I want to be an actor. I was completely adrift scholastically. I was just, I mean, I did well. I mean, I've still got my report card somewhere. I did well, but I, I wasn't happy. I was never happy. But there was two teachers, a guy called George Hackett, who was my um, registrar teacher. And there was a guy called Bill Dewar. And Bill had, was a, you know, he sang an amateur opera and stuff like that. But, but he also, he went to the theater. And he was the first person who, he set up a little group called the Rep Club. It was the Repertory Theater Club, the Rep Club. And we used to go for o'clock to the matinee on a Wednesday and I only went there like literally three months before I started to work there and it was he was it was great because it was the first time I saw live actors I mean I, all the actors I'd seen had been of the celluloid variety and I hadn't really considered the theatre at all and that was the other thing about the 60s it was the free cinema I got depressed until I saw I was 14 and I was at the Plaza Cinema in Dundee and I saw this film called Saturday Night and Sunday Morning mm. and there was Albert Finney mm. doing it. And I'm going, it's possible. I mean, because I felt, oh, I'm not American. I can't do any of that stuff because I wasn't really interested in English movies. I have, you know, I've got taste, you know, I've gone towards the healing comedies now subsequently, but at that point, no, it was all American stuff. But when I saw Albert, I just thought, this is amazing. This was like a miracle. This is possible. I can she possibly because he we, we were often mistaken for one another mm. when I was younger. And I just thought, wow, this is the best. And then eventually I got to work with him, and he was just one of those truly great individuals. Mm. You know. now we'll come back to politics, but let's just talk about succession for a, a little while. Were mm. you surprised at just what a big success it's been? Oh, well, it's gone way beyond anything I imagined. I mean, I thought it was going to be a good, I mean, I, I thought it was a good show. I thought it was, you know, but I, I, I didn't know if it was going to go well with the American audience. I didn't think that they're going to get the satire. They're going to get the, the intelligence that's there. I know the British audiences are much more within the thick of it. And, um, <laughs> sorry. I'm, I'm, <laughs> 
Anyway, we won't go there. Uh, and uh, and uh, Peep Show, you know, that Jesse did and the work that Amanda Nucci has done, you know, which has been really extraordinary and has shifted the paradigm a wee bit. As- you know, Jesse Armstrong used to be a special advisor to a Labour MP called Doug Henderson. You're joking? Yeah, many, 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 many years ago. Uh, well, so what, which, what career choice do you think he made? Do you think he got the right choice in going down the road he went? Or do you think he should have stayed as a... No, no, he made, <laughs> he made absolutely the right choice. He's so gifted. He's got a fantastic team and it's, it's the way he works with his team. Occasionally, we'll get, we'll get, there's one actor on our show who will start asking questions and then goes, oh, for fuck's sake, stop all that. Just do it. Get on and do it because the work is great. There's no questions to be asked. It's a gift you're given a gift on a daily basis what are you doing you were meant to be killed off in the first series well you? no uh, not really i mean that was the thing that my manager told me but i uh, see nothing was decided okay. really and when i said that there was a big whoa, 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 whoa no no that's not happening if i was killed off once the first season that wouldn't have gone into a second It'd season be pretty hard, wouldn't it? yeah that it would be, that would be you, pretty yeah. hard so i just thought no i mean uh, it is the gift that keeps on giving but the other stuff is tough <laughs> do you like logan roy i do actually I mean, he is the antithesis of everything I believe in politically. But I think he's a very interesting character as how he's come to that state. You know, and I kind of worked it out that he's, his backstory, you know, Jesse drops little markers throughout. He's very good that way. He just drops these little markers. You know, there's one scene when he gets in the pool and he's, his back is all cut, you know, and, and we reckon that that's probably from an abuse of an uncle in, in Canada when he went. That was the other thing, because for the first series, I, there was this, when I, when I was asked to do the show, and I suggested to Jesse, I said, you know, he, he could be Scots, uh, Logan, and Jesse, oh, no, 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 he's got to be American. He's, he's got to be American. He has to be American. And Adam McKay, better known as Mackay. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they, I think it's, I think it's laziness on Americans' part. <laughs> okay, well, uh, Kai? Uh, no, let's say K. Anyway, Adam McKay, he, he thought it was a great idea. And Jesse said, no, 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 he's gotta be, he's gotta be American. He's gotta be American. So I thought, well, okay, I'm American. And then we started the first episode and you know, you get the script and finally I got the script. I mean, I'd already filmed a bit and I got the script. It was my birthday and I was born in Quebec. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I'm in Quebec now and I, I'm not really doing a Quebec. Oh, well, never mind. I'm doing what I'm doing so I carried on and then in the ninth episode the ninth episode Peter Friedman who I worked with says you, 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 they've changed your birthplace and I said what do you mean they've changed my birthplace he said yeah yeah you're, you're, you're no longer born in Quebec I said well that has its pluses I said so where am I born he said oh I can't remember he said no hang on let me look he said and he got his device he said oh yeah somewhere called Dundee Scotland and I said that's where I was born. And then said, oh, that's a coincidence. I said, yes, yeah, a hell of a fucking coincidence. I said, for nine episodes, I've been playing this guy, and suddenly I'm a Dundonian, you know. And then I went to, J- and these are writers for you. I mean, oh, God, writers. Anyway, so you go, I went up to Jesse, and I said, so, Dundee? Yeah, we thought it'd be a little surprise. That's what he said. I said, it's a hell of a fucking surprise. For nine episodes, I'm playing this guy and finally, oh, it's okay, it'll work. It was good for Dundee, though. You went for Oh, it was great for Dundee. Did I mean, DNA and yeah, we did it all. And it was, and it was a great episode, you mm. know, because Logan's, <laughs> Logan's dealing with Dundee and my dealing. I mean, I had to take people around Dundee to show them what it was really like rather than what Logan was telling you it was all like. But I do understand Logan. You know, I, I do, I think he's a very misunderstood character. I mean, if you think about it, all he's trying to do, 
is pick a successor for his horrible business. That's all he's trying to do. And he's, he's also trying to be powerful, abuse his power, use his power. Well, he does that, but he's been doing that. He doesn't try to do that. He's done it all he's his done life. All, his life. Yeah. all his life. I mean, that's second nature to him because that's who he, that's what he's become. Does he like his kids? He loves them. That's his problem. Oh. Actually, it would be a lot better if he just liked them. Because liking goes on longer than loving, you know, unless you're in a very loving relationship. But, you know, I mean, no, he, he loves his children. I mean, Jess, oh, Jesse made that very clear to me very early on because I asked that question. I said, does Logan love his children? He said, yes, he loves his children. And that's his Achilles heel is that he loves those kids and it's those kids. And, you know, I've got an episode coming up where I say, you know, I love you, but you're not serious people. Is Shiv his favourite? Shiv was his favourite. And now? No, she's lost credibility because she's a blabbermouth and she's, she has no self-control, you know, and she's, no, she's not very nice. The only one that's really, he sees potential and ironically, I think is Roman. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the interesting thing. He's, Ro- he, he's, he's the least serious, isn't he? He's the least serious, but actually he's not bad at the business side. He's the one that spotted in season two that the Middle Eastern money was fake. He got that in a one You know, Logan clocked that. So he's always seen the potential of Roman, but he's stunted. You know, he's a potty mouth. You know? oh, and, and what about Connor? Because he was like the hapless wannabe politician, wasn't he? Mm. Didn't really have it in him. Well, no, I mean, Connor behaves in a very odd way. And he has done since he was a wee boy. <laughs> yeah. I think he's very sweet, Connor. He's a very, he's a very, you know, and also he's very, he's been the ignored member of the family. But clearly, at an early age, it was realized that he couldn't really handle that, the, the nature of the kind of persistent thing that you have to have in, in that business. Connor couldn't do it. And is Logan a little bit scared of his wife? I just don't think he he can handle relationships at all. I think that's his problem. He doesn't understand intimacy. Mm. I mean, I think he's found this young girl, Kerry, who doesn't make the same demands on him Mm. to be this or be that or be that or be more, think more of that, which I think has happened to him a lot in his relationships. She accepts him. That's why one of my very favorite scenes is the scene with um, Colin, my, my bodyguard. And I say, you're my best pal. Yeah, that's, but that's sad. I know it's sad, but it's, at least it's honest. You know, and, and it's, and everybody goes, oh, what is he doing? He's actually saying, look, I think you're my best pal because you're the only one who's constant in my life, who doesn't ask for anything, who's not trying to get something out of me. Yeah, probably thinks you're a complete knob. Yeah, but he may do, but he doesn't express it. Well, so he thinks so. No, he never expressed. He's always grateful and he's always front and center and everything he does. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's an interesting kind of dynamic oh, about yeah. what, what, what that, what he thinks. Yeah. And I just thought it was wonderful of Jesse to write that scene that he's thinking, he's looking, who's, who's there? And he sits there and he said, you know, you're, you're the best pal you are. Yeah. It is sad, but it's also. I can understand why he thinks that because there's no, he doesn't, all he wants to do be paid and get his, and that's it. There's no, there's no hidden motivations there. And he can see that. And the same with Kerry. Kerry's the same. The girl's the same. There's no hidden motivation. And that's why he goes, this person's worth it. This person's considerable. This person's considerable because he's surrounded by people who are on the make and it's not healthy. 
It's not healthy. And it doesn't help him at all. It just deepens him in the mire. And Kendall. Kendall is just so, I don't know, he's a sad, sad creature, Kendall. And, uh, and he's always trying to prove himself. He's a very, he's very needy. You know, he was a needy child and he's a needy adult. And he's also full of that entitlement. He feels it should all come his way. He mm. feels that's where it all is. And this whole thing about Jeremy Strong and the method acting, is that not just a complete screaming pain in the ass when you're trying to be Brian Cox? Well, it... it, it <laughs> Have you ever done that? What? Method acting. Oh, fuck no, no. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, so, no. Look, let me let me say. Look, the thing is that Jeremy is a you know he's American. There is a thing in the American culture. Uh, a wonderful Polish man who was actually Stanislavski's assistant said it brilliantly, Richard Boleslavski, and he said, you know, the problem about America is it's it's all about the pursuit of the individual. It is not about companies. It is not about community. It's about the individual. It's the individual at all costs. Does it literally mean that he goes home and he's still can? No, he doesn't go home and he's still Kendall, but he's Kendall in between everything. So he's Kendall constantly in the, on the set, you know. And, uh, you know, he was Dan Day-Lewis's assistant. Yeah. So that says a million things about that. Because he was a method, he's a method actor. He's a, they wouldn't describe it as method What do they actor. call it? I don't know, being in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I wish there was a cover on that one. <laughs> no, I mean, really, it's just... You know, the best actors are children. They don't research. They don't do anything. They, they just do it. You know, I do a vid- I do a video with a little boy who's called Theo. It's a kind of joke. Brian Cox's masterclass with Theo. And he, this kid, I teach him to be or not to be. And he gets distracted, but he comes back. And then there's a marvelous moment, which is, he's two and a half. And I say, to be or not to be, to be or not to be. That is the question. He went, ah. I said, that is the question. It is, he said. <laughs> It's two and a half. It is. And I just thought, what is this coming from? And we don't, we really don't understand ourselves. We, 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 we connect with all these stupid belief systems and we actually forget about who we are mm. and where we are in our state of evolution. But you were talking there about Logan Roy as if he's a real person and the Shiv's well, a real he's, person. He's a, yeah, but they're real in the sense of their carapace and what they've come as, but I still lighthearted on the set. Who swears more, Brian or Logan? Well, it used to be Logan, but Brian's... It's Brian caught up. No, I'm swearing more and more. It's, it's <laughs> not good. No, I am. It's, I think swearing's good. I think it's well, a very... we know about your swearing. <laughs> <laughs> but, but do you think? Your swearing is quiet. In fact, you were the first. <laughs> you started the whole thing. I did I not. Campbell, I did you not. are responsible for it. <laughs> What's your favourite form of fuck off? Uh, my favourite form is... Why don't you just fuck the fuck off? Right. You know, fuck the fuck off is yeah, what I like. Yeah, Rather yeah. than just fuck off. I like fuck the fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Has it been fun doing Succession? Yeah, it's been great fun. It's it's really been great. I mean, it's a great show. You know, you, you, I've still no idea why it went has gone the way it's gone. I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's given you a kind of later life oh, absolute yeah. explosion isn't it yeah you know when I was young some you know people much older and wiser than myself would look at me and say you know it's going to be the long haul for you young man and I thought oh yeah okay it's fucking true <laughs> you know what's the long haul it's been amazing I, I, I can't knock it but I've got so much lined up because I just want to dive in yeah, to make sure that I'm it. still f- functioning you know rather than sit back on my and when you were preparing for it and when you're acting it is there a kind of known media mogul that you have in your head no 
Not Murdoch, no, Maxwell, no, no, Beaverbrook, no, there's only, there's only Musk. No, there's a, well, the, you see, the, the thing about Logan and why he's more interesting is he's self-made. Murdoch, Mark, well, Musk certainly came from money. Murdoch had came from, a, you know, it was a very small... Maxwell was very self-made. Yeah, Maxwell was Poverty. self-made. Yeah, he was. He was self-made. But you, you don't think of those guys when you're no, being no, 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 I don't. No, I don't think of them because he, he's not them. He's Logan Roy. You know, he's not real. I know he's not real. <laughs> I know that. I'm so aware of that. You know, I, I didn't just fall off the turnip truck, Alistair. Have you actually come across any of the, the Murdochs or that lot? No, the only one I had was Elizabeth's uh, Murdoch's husband. Matthew? Yeah. Oh, the new husband, the, the new artist. One, the King. artist. A yeah. nice man. Mm. And I was having a, a latte coffee and uh, he was behind me and he said, well, you know, we're... And he, was, he went on to this kind of monologue. And I thought, I didn't realize I was part of the monologue. He said, well, you know, on the whole, we're, we're finding the show. It's, it's, it's interesting. You know, it's, so hold on, this, this is... Her husband. Elizabeth Murdoch's husband. new husband. Yeah. And she, the artist. Yeah. And, yeah. and I said, and even my wife is dealing with it okay. And I said, oh, yeah. I said, I'm sorry. Who's your wife? He said, Elizabeth Murdoch. And I went, oh, okay. And then well, he, he went, what, dealing with it? Like, they thought it was all about them. Well, but they, they, they must you know, have. I mean, she, she felt, no, well, he did actually say his parting remark was me. And he might have been joking, but his parting remark was, was do you think you could be nicer to her next season? what do you think of the media both in britain and in america oh god there's too much opinion and not enough questioning Mm -hmm. there's you know especially in the american media even even cnn which is pretty liberal but it's endlessly opinion 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 so what happens is when when you have that and then you have obviously with fox you don't have any debate there's no debate. The days of Buckley and uh, Cronkite, no, yeah, Cronkite yeah. and Buckley and Govidal, you know those oh, famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that that's all gone. That's mm. and that was there was a sort of great intellectual Amer- American intellectual fervor which has just been evaporated, mm. and I think that's tragic. Mm. But I think we've all gone through such a bad situation in this country. Don't even begin. All right, Brian, we'll take a quick break and come right back. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? (laughs) Well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. 
In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy, too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics U.S. wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go back to politics. You said that you were mm-hmm. grew up Labour, very, very supportive of Labour. My mother was a Liberal, actually. My, my dad was Labour. Did you think back then that you'd ever become a nationalist? You never seemed... No, not at all. Where did the change come from? The change came from Iraq mm. and what happened in Iraq and how there weren't any weapons of mass destruction and you were all led up a certain garden. You know, I know it diff- must be difficult for you because you were all part of that. And that affected me deeply. I, I just felt and I felt there was a little bit of hubris flying around. I won't say who, but there was a bit of hubris flying around. And I just thought, you know, this is, it's, this is my mother would say, it's not real. You know, there's yeah, a that's real different. But that's different. That's a, I get the intellectual reason for that. But then to say, and therefore I want Scotland to be independent. No, no, no. That's where I, I was looking for what I felt. I felt that social democracy was not happening anywhere. And the only place that I realized it was happening was in Scotland. And I was shocked. Because I was shocked at the end, you know, because I still hate the word nationalist. Yeah, because that's my point. You're an internationalist. Yeah, I don't like the word Scottish nationalist. But you're supporting a nationalist party. Well, that's a difficulty that I have. I I started doing a lot of reading about the Scottish Enlightenment and all the kind of effects we have and what we did and and how we lost our country and how it was lost through a lot of the Darien, the whole Darien thing. And I just, I realized that we'd kind of fucked it in a way. And we needed to get back to something that we'd lost, that we just didn't have. Mm. And I felt that there was a social democracy was happening in Scotland and it wasn't happening anywhere else. I mean, Alex Salmon, who is a parliamentarian I admire, but he's been very, I think, foolish over certain things. But Nicola has been extraordinary. She's won it well, and she's shown more than most. You know, I think it was the 2010, Mm. uh, there was Leanne Wood, Caroline Lucas, and Nicola, and they were all extraordinary. They kind of knocked the guys right off the platform. Mm. I mean, I feel that we're in a state where I feel the patriarchy is really dying. Mm. Thank God. Mm. And we need to move to a more matriarchal society, a society which is much more caring. And that's my feeling. Were you surprised that she went and that she went in the circumstances she did? Well, I think the gender issue was a complete fuck up really I mean it, I mean, I believe that it has to be attended to so I admired the country for attending to it but I think they got the it was the wrong thing I mean I just think there was needed more consideration and thought into into that you know very tricky subject well, and I believe in the subject but I just felt that it, we didn't they didn't handle it and I just think that I think Nicola was really under siege and I just think she felt you know because people used to say the most awful things about her I mean yeah. the abuse that she got was unbelievable and I Unwarranted, I completely unwarranted as far as I was concerned. So I, and then people kept visiting motives on her, which clearly are not there. You know, she's a good woman. She's a really good woman. So I was just, I, I just thought I could understand why she decided that she wanted to get out. And when the, the Supreme Court stopped us from going for that second referendum, I think that was such a, hit knock in the face in a way and I think that she you know she struggled on with it a bit but she maybe felt that it needed a new energy to really take it on to the next stage. Did you not worry that you've had 
Salmon's moved the dial a bit, she's moved the dial, but actually now, on independence, the dial has probably gone backwards. Yes, and that's what I'm worried about. That's why I don't think we, 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 I think we've got to keep it up. We really have to. I mean, there's a lot of problems with child poverty and child care and all of that that they are attending to. I mean, they need to attend to what the people's needs are. But we do need to be free, and I still think so. I, particularly now. I mean, I know, you know, I know governments come and go, but this is this last government, and it's ironic because it's 13 years in the same way they used to say in the 16th, 13 years of Tory misrule, and now we've had not even misrule would be a flattery, you mm. know, really. Mm. I think we've just had the most awful thing and, 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 and the awful set of values. Obviously, I agree with that bit. But the other thing is that if Scotland stays with the SNP, mm. Without independence, okay, then that minimises the chance of Labour getting rid of the Tories. Well, and sh- is there nothing that Labour can do to get you back? Well, no, because Labour don't... I mean, because Keir Stammer's absolutely said he's against Scottish independence. And I'm for Scottish independence. I mean, it, there comes a ch- choice that you have to make, Alistair. You know, you can you can go down that road, you can go down that road, but I find it... And it's not an easy road, I'll tell you. It's not an easy road because, you know, the Scottish National Party is a very broad church. I mean, I'm just seeing regular fuck-ups on a regular basis. So, and I think maybe it will be helped. That's why I believe in a United Federation. I don't believe in a United Kingdom because it isn't a United Kingdom. It never has been a United Kingdom. That's the hypocrisy of it. Mm-hmm. You know, we've always had to depend on handouts, you know, and we are told, we're told of what's, what are they called? The name that, of the money that we the get. Barnet formula. The Barnet formula. You know, and we're told, oh, you do very well on the Barnet formula. You know, you're doing big, you should, why do you complain? You go, well, I'm do- I don't want to be there, you know, just getting, holding my plate up for a few crumbs that come my way you know we i want to be ourselves mm. that's it and do you not think some of the criticisms of the smp record on public services are justified though well of, th- of course there is fluctuations mm. there's no question about it mm. you know i mean this is what i feel too once we have an independent scotland there will be a labor party there will be a conservative party there will be all of those elements there I mean, for Christ's sake, the Labour Party started in Scotland with Keir Hardy, you know, and all the, the stuff that they did. So I am dedicated to the Labour in that sense. I'd love to see Labour come back in a free Scotland. At the moment, if they're not prepared to give themselves to a free Scotland, and Keir really isn't, he doesn't want to do that. He's not interested in that. And that will always provide a conflict. Mm. So how well do you think Labour's going to do the election in Scotland? Oh, they're going to do, well, they'll... They might do really quite well. Mm. We've got to get our shit together, but mm. they might do quite well. And Brexit. Oh. Well, that's the other thing. That's the big deciding factor about going on with independence because we, 62% of us, voted to stay. We wanted to stay. We didn't want to leave. We want to get back there. And that's where we are international. The Scots have always been international. Even the, It should be called the Scottish Independent mm, Party. It should that. not be called the Scottish National Party. Mm. That's. I would change the name. I would get rid of that name because it narrows everything. It narrows everything. And especially when we think of national socialism, all the kind of, the, all the horrible things that go with the name national. So I, I'm all for really redesigning the party in that way. But, you know, I think we, we, sh- we have to stick with it. Now, you're getting on a bit now, Brian. Oh, come on. Hey? So tell, tell us the, ne- the next beat. When the succession finishes now, mm-hmm. soonish. Mm-hmm. Well, I've finished. Yeah. You, you're done with it. And then, but you've presumably got to go around the world talking oh, yeah, about yeah, it a bit. Yeah, yeah. And then you're going to do what? What am I doing? Well, I'm going to try and direct this film in Scotland called Glenrothen. Are is you about- in it? I am going to be in it. 
but I'm having great difficulty casting my leading actor at the moment, partly because of the pressures that are on films. I mean, I think they're under a, an old illusion, you know, because I don't think that makes the same sense because of the streaming service, because there's so much way that you can actually present a film now. It's not, I think the whole paradigm has shifted in that way. So I actually think that um, this film is a lovely film. It's it's about a family distillery and about two brothers of a certain age. One, there's about sort of 10 years between them. And the older brother is the dull one, which is the one I'm playing. And he's he's managed the firm for the distillery. The younger brother left, and he was the master. He was the youngest master distiller. He was the talented one, but he left at an early age. Ended up in Chicago. Ended up becoming a, a writer of blues. He wrote. He was a journalist in music. His world is imploded, and his brother, my character, has written him a note saying, "I would like you to come back because we need to sort out." the family business and because I've had enough I don't particularly want to go on and he's also not well so uh, the younger brother doesn't want to go and he ignores the letters and his daughters have virtually kidnaps him takes him to Scotland and then it all starts to happen and that's that's. and why can't you find the, the guy to do it well, I've, I know who I want to do it, you know, but I mean they kept saying oh he doesn't bring anything to the box office you know, I mean this is, and I'm going you know, apart from Burt Lancaster uh, local hero didn't have anybody well known at all, and yeah. it was a film that made a lot of money. I know there's a film with two, two, with James McAvoy that's made about eleven million. I've got a producer who does with that, deals with that, and he's dealing with it every day. And I, my my heart goes out to him because it's tough. But I'm just who, uh, who do they want then? Uh, well, they don't know. Tom Cruise, yeah, or, Scott yeah they, or, or you know, they would come up with no. They don't know. That's they don't know. They're Can you fatten David Tennant up a bit and put a bit of weight and a bit of age on? Yeah, it could fatten David, but there are there are other people as well. Yeah. I mean, David is a bit too young. Okay, I've got to have somebody who looks as if they've been battered a bit, you know. And there are a few actors who I can't name. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I could give it a go. I play the pipes. Well, if you, you, well, really? Alistair, if you were an actor, you would actually. Be, you could teach I, I, me. You could teach me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I never thought of that. Neil Zagger, if you're listening, what about Alistair Campbell? Think about it. I have had a very minor role in a Jimmy McGovern play once. Did you really? Yeah. I was, sadly, I was playing myself, though. Oh, no. Yeah. So it didn't really count. Yes, I, that's an awful thing to say. Sadly, I was playing myself. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, thanks for having me, as ever. You're welcome. <laughs>